Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Years ago, I, I was going to go help a rancher do something. I, I don't even remember what we were going to do. Um, it involved horses and cattle. That, that's all I remember. And I, I, and I remember pulling up and he was still getting stuff ready. And, and if you've never seen a rancher trying to get stuff ready, you know, especially when you're going to go uh, pretty far away, you got to make sure that you have everything and all that stuff. And, and I pull up and he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And anyway, I get out and I go up to him. I was like, what can I help you with? He goes, nothing. You're going to mess up my, my routine. You just put your horse in the trailer, get in the truck and shut up. Okay, I can do that. I'm not very good at it, but I can, I can do that. So I loaded my horse in the trailer and I had my cup of coffee. So I just did exactly what I was told. And I went and I sat in the pickup and I watched him in all the mirrors. And I mean, he's coming and he's, you know, putting stuff in the trailer and going back and taking stuff out and putting stuff back. And, you know, he's just running around. And finally he comes and, and, and he gets in and he shuts the door and then he opens the door again and has to go out and get something else. And finally he comes back in and he's out of breath and, and he shuts the door and I was like, good morning. <laughs> and he, you know, he didn't want to hear it that morning. And so anyway, I just sat there, I was nearly through with my coffee and I was like, well, are we ready to go. And he goes, I think so. I think we got everything. He's like, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. So we drove off without the trailer in, in his exuberance to get everything together. He had neglected to hook the trailer up and yeah, that, that, that's something that I would do. And, and during that whole thing of me watching him in the mirrors and everything, I, I was seeing like an out of body experience with my life. Because that, that is something that, that I would do. Um, there's a pretty famous picture on Facebook of me and the Dooley. And one morning I was running late and I went speeding around there to hook up to the trailer. And I threw it in reverse and I backed up. And I mean, I backed up perfectly. Like not even, like you can't get more perfect than that deal. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that looks good, right? So I throw it in park and usually, you know, your truck moves and you got to redo it or put the emergency brake on or something. But in, that day I didn't have to. I slammed it in park and jumped out and went to start cranking it down. And, and the little, the little uh, plate was still over the, the ball and it was, the, the trailer was too low. So I had to back, I had to start over. It, that's just the story of my life. Sometimes we get so caught up in the little things that we forget the most important things. Stephen R. Covey in his bestseller, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, puts it this way. As a longtime student of the fascinating field of life and time management, I am personally persuaded that the essence of the best thinking in the area of time management can be captured in a single phrase. Organize and execute around priorities. He also wrote, one of my favorite essays is The Common Denominator of Success, written by E.M. Gray. He spent his life searching for the one denominator 
that all successful people share. He found that it was not hard work, good luck, or even astute human relations, although all of those things are important. The one factor that seemed to transcend all other things was putting first things first. The Bible has much to say about priorities as well. And that's what we'll be talking about today is priorities. See, this is one of the hardest things in the world for me because I am, I can blame it on a creative mind or I can blame it on a lot of things, but I am a very unorganized person. And, you know, it really causes a problem in my everyday life. Uh, to, to some extent or another, because my mind is always going a million miles an hour. And I've got so many of these little things going on that I forget the big things. Uh, one morning I went in to kiss my wife goodbye and she said, what's the matter? And I said, I'm, I'm frustrated or flustered or frustrated, whatever that word is. And, and I, she goes, why? And I said, because I can't get all my stuff together. You know, I always forget something or, you know, I get sidetracked, you know, there's too many squirrels and rabbits around and I'm like a healer, you know, just chasing squirrels and rabbits all day. And, um, she said, well, look, you know, you can be mindful of it and, and work on it, but, but don't beat yourself up too bad about it. She goes, just slow down get all your stuff and go do what you need to do. I have faith in you. I was like, thanks, honey. She's always a good cheerleader, right? So I kissed her bye, told her I loved her, went out, got in my truck, made it halfway down the driveway and forget, forgot my computer. The, the very thing that I was going to be doing all of my work on that day. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's my deal. So I, I started thinking, what, what, what are my priorities? What are my priorities? And, and, and I think that most people... I've heard this time and time again from Chris, from you know Christian people. When you ask them about their priorities, you say, "What are your priorities?" And, and most people will say, "God, family, work." Right? God, family, work. And, and there's there's nothing wrong with those. That, you know, they they sound noble, but I don't think that that's the priorities that God has for us. Not that they're wrong, but what if there's a better list? of priorities than God, family, work that come from God, not something made up by man. The responsibilities of the world make us lazy in our faith because we, we start doing all of these things, these, these urgent things, the urgent things in our life just consume our life. And, and, and urgent things in the world make us lazy in our faith. There's a, uh, there's a story that I read, man, it, this has been a long time ago. And you know, sometimes these stories just impact you and I'm vastly paraphrasing and it was better written, but it, it talks about a guy gets up one morning and he walks in there and Jesus is sitting at his dining room table and he's like, whoa, what's going on? And Jesus said, hey, I just come to visit with you. Hadn't heard from you in a while. He's like, man, Jesus, I'm glad you're here. He said, can I get you a cup of coffee? He said, no, I'm good. He said, well, I'm going to make me a cup, Jesus. You just hang out there, make yourself at home. So he goes over there and he makes him a cup of coffee. And uh, 
Anyway, he walks back over there and he goes to sit down. He goes, oh man, hang on just a second. I got to wake the kids up for school. So he goes and he wakes the kids up for school. And then, you know, there's a fist fight. And you, you know how it is getting kids up for school. And uh, anyway, he goes in there. He's like, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll be done in just a minute. God, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus is like, it's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. And so he's, he, get, he gets all the kids ready and, and, and you know, he's got to pour the fruit loops and, and all that. And then he's got to take the kids to school. And he's like, I'll be right back. And I, I want to just sit and spend time with you. Jesus says, That's okay. So he goes and while he's in town, he's like, oh man, we need milk. I'm going to go ahead and stop by some milk so I don't have to do it later. And, and then he sees some people and, and you can see how this goes. And before you know, it's lunchtime and he goes back home and he's like, oh man, Jesus, can I get, I, I'm sorry that took so long. I'm so sorry. Jesus is like, it's okay. He's like, can I, can I, I need to get some lunch, you know? can I make you something? Jesus says, no, I'm fine. So he starts making lunch and, and everything. And then he's like, Hey, hang on just a second. I, I, I've got to do a little bit of work and then I'll be right back. And you can see where this is going. And so all day long, he just keeps putting Jesus off. Who's sitting at his dining room table. And all he wants him to do is just sit down and, and just sit at his feet and hang out with him. It's all Jesus wants. But this guy's got emails and he's got phone calls to make. And, and before you know it, it's supper time and he's got to get the supper ready. And, and, and then he's wiped out from the day and he doesn't really want to talk. He just wants to, you know, get in his easy chair and lay back and watch some football or, or something like that. And, and before too long, you don't even notice that Jesus is still sitting at the dining room table. And then he gets up and he locks the doors and he goes and he turns the lights off. And he goes and he climbs into bed after another long day. And Jesus is sitting there in the dark, still waiting. That right there describes most of our lives, or most of our Christian lives in some form or fashion. See, what we call urgent, God calls unimportant. God tells us what is important. And he commands us to follow, but we have all of these urgent things, but, but the, the world's urgent things make us lazy in, in, in our faith. I've titled today's talk, Responsibility, kind of a play on words that, that, the, the, that our responsibilities that we think are so huge actually make us lazy in our faith. So if, if our priorities should not be God, uh, family work, what should our priorities be? Well, I always like to go to the Bible for answers. And I don't think that if we look at, not, not to say that those priorities are bad, but may, maybe that there's something better, that maybe our priorities should be this. We have no further to look than the Ten Commandments. The very first commandment that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai was thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not have any God before me. In other words, put God first. Put God first in all that we do. And there's a biblical example of how we let these responsibilities and what we think we should be doing, that, that those things aren't important and, and we don't have to look any further than Jesus had three friends. And I'm not talking about Peter, James, and John. I'm not talking about the disciples. I'm saying away from the disciples where Jesus would go to rest was a place called Bethany. And Jesus was really good friends with two sisters and a brother and their brother, Mary, Martha, 
and Lazarus. So Jesus goes over there and, and they're hanging out. And Martha, when Jesus gets there, Martha jumps up to clean the house, right? Because that's what you do when you have company over, right? You got to make it spick and span. Don't let them know how filthy we are and, you know, all of that stuff. Got to work ourselves into a frazzle, fix our hair in the bathroom and, you know, shove everything under the couch. You know, that's, this is what Martha's doing. And then she goes in there to start preparing a meal and she's just working her tail off, right? And what's her sister doing? Her sister's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. Well, Martha finally gets a little bit perturbed, right? And so she goes in there and she snitches Mary off to Jesus, like Jesus doesn't know that Mary's right there, right? So Martha goes in there to snitch her sister off and she's like, Jesus, I'm working really hard. You need to tell Mary to come and help me, right? This, y- y'all are gonna remember this on Thursday at Thanksgiving, okay? Y'all just remember this. And Jesus tells her, he's like, Martha, I'm not going to do that. Mary has chosen what is important. I mean, you have God in your house sitting at your dining room table and, and we're so busy doing, 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 all these urgent things. And Jesus didn't need any of that. He, he wanted to hang out with his friends. Mary had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and Jesus refuses to get onto her. For it actually gets onto Martha. He's like, man, you're missing, you're missing what's important here. Even, even calling the disciples when Jesus called the disciples, you know, it's, it, it says in there that, that Jesus called them and said, come and follow me. And they got out of their boats and left their nets and just left everything behind to come and follow them because they knew that what was really important, that it wasn't the boats, it wasn't the nets, it wasn't the fish, and it really wasn't even their family. I mean, you know, Peter was married, but yet Peter was with Jesus during this whole ministry, right? How do we know Peter was married? Because it talks about that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Well, you got to have a mother-in-law to be, you know, you got to be married to have her mother-in-law, right? So, I mean, Peter even left his family. Now, he didn't disown them or anything. He went back and saw them, but he didn't even let his family hold him back from going and following God. Of knowing what was important. So why does God want to be first in your life? Why would the very first commandment, why would our very first priority be to put God first in every single thing in our life? Because he wants to transform you into something that you cannot become on your own. Listen, man, God knows what you're capable of. God also knows what you're not capable of without him. You cannot save yourself. You cannot grow into a... a, Christ, you you can't become Christ-like on your own. You have to have God. Man, we we can only get this far in life and God wants us to go all the way to eternity and we can't do that on our own. And the only way we can do that is with God's help. And the only way we're going to get God's help is by putting him first in all things. He wants to transform us into something that we cannot become on our own. He wants to transform us from a warrior to a warrior. I tried to say that twice in the last deal that you can't do it. You can't, you can't say that three times in a row. He wants to transform your fear into ferociousness of a, of a zeal for him, of a ferocious devotion, not against anybody, but for God. He wants to transform you from a warrior to a warrior. He wants to make 
you go from weak to somebody that's strong. See, God is not in the business of making your life easier, but making you stronger. Man, I think that some people have like this vending machine idea of God that all they have to do is, you know, walk up to it and, and uh, you know, p- put their faith in it and press, you know, uh, a letter and a number that corresponds to their problem. And God's just going to, you know, dole them out a bag of Skittles. Th- that's not the way Christianity works. God is not really that concerned about making your life easier. He wants to make you stronger. You don't, get, you don't get stronger by sitting in a life of ease and comfort. Your life will get harder when you truly follow Christ. He calls it a narrow, steep trail that many search for, but few find it that the rest of them are out on that wide road of destruction. Following that easy trail, in the easy chair, God has called us to something much bigger. He wants to turn you from a warrior to a warrior. He wants to make... Transform the weak into the strong. And he wants to make the dead come alive. See, that's what Jesus did. He came to make dead men alive. To truly transform them from the inside out. To, to prepare us for an eternity. One day, our lives will be gravy. Okay? It will be gravy on tap, right? But not here, okay? Now, that's a joke me and Ty have. Well, you know, we need steakhouses with, you know, gravy, brown gravy, white gravy, sausage gravy. Just needs to be on tap. One day we'll have that, but just not here. We spend our lives in preparation for that. Because once we were dead in our sin, but Jesus came. For whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. How does he transform us? How does he transform us? I think that's the second priority that we have, which is high moral character. High moral character. God wants you to walk the walk, not talk the talk. Jesus didn't preach love and then go condemn others. You know, Jesus didn't say love your enemies and then smite the Romans. He practiced what he preached. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. And God wants the same thing for us. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, Jesus himself says, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Now, he's he's not saying that to say, you know, let your good deeds so that people will pat you on the back. He's saying, let my love flow through you so that my father in heaven will be praised. But if there's no difference between you and a sinner, man, we we need to have a talk. We we need to have a talk. We need to practice what we preach. And, 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 you know, you you see the the word practice, right? Practice makes perfect. I'm not saying that you're going to get it right every single time, but I'm not saying that just because you don't get it right one time that you can just quit and leave and never do it again. I've been there. I tried that. I wasn't no good at it. So I'm not going to do that anymore. No, you got to keep it up. Practice makes perfect. We got to walk the walk. So what does a high moral character look like? I mean, the Bible's filled with it. But if I may summarize just three things, a high moral character might be somebody that 
gives instead of receives. We, we live in a very uh, gimme, 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 gimme world. You know, we go to work so that we can pay off the things that we really didn't need in the first place. It's all about what can I get next? What can I get next? What can I get next? Well, a high moral character turns that around and says, what can I give? What can I give? How much more can I give to, 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 my, to my, my family, to my employer? You know, I mean, going from a, from a receiving attitude, from a getting attitude to a giving attitude. And the funny thing is, is that Jesus says, give and you shall receive. If you really want something, give it away. For where your treasure is, there lies your heart also. What does a high moral character looks like? Look like somebody that's willing to give instead of receive. Somebody that wants to love instead of hate. You know, the, the, the hard part, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, that, you know, I, I can do that part. Because you really don't have to do anything. You just say that you love everybody. <laughs> well, here, here's a little caveat to that. Jesus said, you don't get credit for loving people that love you back. You know, there's this thing that goes around on social media and it's been around for years. It's just more prominent now of, of people that say, well, I'll treat you like you treat me. You nothing but a puppet if that's you. You are basically giving somebody else control of your life and you just telling them, man, you do whatever you want to do and I'll let you pull my strings and I'll act however you want me to act. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to treat you like you treat me. I'm going to treat you like I would want to be treated, regardless of how you act, because I'm not in control of you. I'm not in control of you. I'm going to love you like Jesus loved you. The people that were nailing him to a cross, he told them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Give instead of receive, love instead of hate. How about this one? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, (laughs) you really don't know nobody in explanation except God. And he knows your heart already. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He didn't say throw a maybe in there because you don't want to say no. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than that is evil. Man, quit explaining yourself, man. Follow God, do what he says. And if he says do it, then say yes. If he says don't do it, say no. It's really as simple as that. What should our priorities be? Put God first in everything. Second thing is to have a high moral character. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And the third thing is seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter six, verse 33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. This is a culmination of the first two. I I know that it's kind of weird saying put number three is seek first the kingdom of God. Shouldn't that be first? But it's actually a culmination of the first two. Focus on God and righteousness. That's high moral character. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now, what are all these things? Well, if you have your Bibles and you're reading in Matthew 6, you can go back a few verses and I didn't write them down. But he's basically saying, well, why are you worried about what you're gonna eat? The birds don't plant, the birds don't harvest, yet they have food because, they're, they're, because your father in heaven feeds them. Why are you worried about what you're gonna wear? I mean, we've all got closets full of clothes and we're like, oh, what am I gonna wear today? Jesus is like, man, that's, that's unimportant. 
It's unimportant. God doesn't care what you look like on the outside. I know those snooty women at work do, but God doesn't, okay? God doesn't care what, what you look like. He cares where your heart is. He said, why, why are you worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear? For isn't the kingdom of God more than what we eat, what we wear, what we drink? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So how do we do that? How, how, how do we seek the kingdom of God? What is it? Well, it, it, it's, you know, God has given Jesus all authority on heaven and earth. Okay. And it's Christ's reign. Okay. And I think that we can summarize that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did you know that early Christians, that they weren't called Christians, okay? Those that, those that were uh, Jewish and, and even, even uh, non-Jewish that were, were following Jesus, they were called followers of the way. That's what, that's what they called it, the way. And Jesus, it's not... It's not unnoticeable that Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. You know, there, there's a, there's a, a great uh, movie and uh, Ty told me what it was during the first service because I couldn't remember. It's called Days of Thunder. And it was a race, race car movie with Tom Cruise in it. And in that movie, they talked about, I think it was called drafting where you would get right in there on, on, on basically tailgating the car in front of you and the car in front of you or the car in front would be catching all the wind and it would just go right past your car and it would kind of pull them along the track, right? Well, that's what God wants us to do with Jesus. He wants us to get right in there behind Jesus because Jesus is the way. You don't know the way. He does. You don't know what trail to take, but he does. He's not asking you to know all the gory details. He just wants you to get right in there behind him. Don't worry about what's ahead. Don't worry about what's behind. You just get right in there behind him and just, you know, like a jig line going out and gathering cattle. D don't worry about where he's going to drop you off or, or what's going to happen or, you know, you don't know the, 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 trail, the, the trails to take through the canyons. Jesus does. You just get right in there behind him and you stay there. He'll lead you through the cactus patch. He'll lead you through the oak brush. He'll lead you through the mesquite. He'll lead you through the canyons. He'll lead you beside the still waters. But you've got to follow him. Which leads me to what I say all the time. What's my scariest verse in the Bible? Is when Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? In other words, he's saying, I'm plowing this trail for you. And you're off over there lollygagging and doing whatever you want to do. When all I've asked you to do is not to figure out everything. Just get in behind me and follow me. If I say, don't go to the left because there's a cliff. Don't say, why did God do this to me when you go left and you fall off the cliff? It's really as simple as that. And I'm not saying that it is simple. I'm just saying it's as simple as that. Get in behind him. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. And he said, I am the truth. You know, there's only one truth and that comes from God. Everything else 
is opinion. See, that, that word is, is thrown around everywhere. Well, that's the truth. There's, there's only one author of truth, and it comes from the word of God. And we have to make our minds up, are, are we going to pick and choose? Because a picking and choosing faith is no faith at all. We, now, we may not understand everything fully or anything, but when Jesus says, do it this way, it's probably the hard way, but you still need to do it that way. If Jesus says this is a sin, then it's a sin. We don't get to, we're not the author of truth. We can't say, well, I don't think that's that bad. To God, it is. Sin is sin to God. You know, I mean, I, I, I believe in, in, in marriage. I, I, between a man and a, and a woman. And, I, and just because somebody might not do that, I can still love them without disagree with, disagree with them and love them at the same time. I don't hate somebody just because I disagree with them. But I believe in the truth and, I, and I'm not the author of the truth. God is. I believe what he says. And if you say that you're a follower of God, that he is the way and the truth, then we must adopt that. Just make your mind up right now to say, you know what? I don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You worry about what you do. You follow the way. You believe in the truth. And don't stray to the left or right of it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, Jesus shows us what is important in life. Life seems to be, for most of us, a never-ending saga of keeping from dying. Life isn't about keeping yourself from dying. It's about dying to self. It's a willingness to put aside that old way of thinking, that old way of living and adopting a new one of being transformed. It is not your life, the important things in life. It's not about finding a safe place to cross, but, by, but it's about taking up your cross and following Jesus. You know, if tonight, was your last night on earth, what would you do with it? If tonight was your last night on earth, what would you do with the rest of your life? Jesus knew that it was his last night on earth. And you know what he did? He washed his disciples' feet. That would not be the top of my list, but it was to Jesus. He washed his disciples' feet. What would you do? If it was the last night on earth, if it was your last night on earth, what would you do? And maybe even a better question would be, why won't you do that tomorrow as well? And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. What is truly important? Where are your priorities? Are your priorities, are, are you like the guy that has Jesus sitting at the kitchen table? Because he was sitting there at your kitchen table this morning. He was. He just wanted you to hang out with him for a little while. To sit at his feet. Just like Mary did. I want you to change your priorities. I don't want your priorities to be God, family, work. I want them to be putting God first in every single thing in your life. Everything. Not just the big things. The small things. I want you to put God first in your life. And I want you to develop a high moral character. I want you... You know, people always say, well, Christians just think that they're better than everybody else. We should be. We should be. Not for our glory, but for God's. We should be. 
I want you to be better than everybody else so that our Father in heaven will be glorified and so others will see your life and want the same eternal life that has been offered to you. I want you to change your priorities. I want you to put God first. I want you to have a high moral character. And I want you to seek first the kingdom of God above all else. And in order to do that, you're going to have to follow the way. You're going to have to know the truth. And you're going to have to live the life that God has promised to each and every one of us. But only the strong, only the humble, only those that are willing to die to self will make it all the way to the end. And I pray that every stinking one of you is one of those. Let's go to gun prayer. Father, the success you want for us is one of dependence, trust, and faith in you. That can only be found by placing you as a priority in all things with all people. This way is harder, but it's the only way to become stronger. The power comes from you through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to each one of us through faith in Jesus Christ. Transform us today into your likeness and give us the crown of glory that is waiting on us when that day comes. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.